It's 2023. Do we still need cities? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Monday, Monday, Tuesday. Happy Tuesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our Stratus IP studios here in lovely Eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Yeah, I thought it was Monday because, as you can tell, my brain is still in cybersecurity mode. I've had like 15 million meetings, it seems like, today in the world of cybersecurity and business continuity. So you want to learn more, head to briannicholshow.com forward slash Stratus IP, and I can show you how we can help you out with your business technology today. But enough of that. Let's go ahead and talk about, yes, the question I teased at the beginning of the episode. It's 2023. Do we, in fact, need cities, or at least the idea of big cities? And I say that as someone who I just moved from Philadelphia, PA, and I got out of there to the Midwest. I escaped to a small, a small-ish uh, little uh, city out in the eastern part of Indiana, and I gotta tell you, I, I'm feeling pretty darn happy. And I see folks who are in the big cities and they don't seem that they're doing too hot. So to talk about that today, joining us from the Market Urbanism Report, Scott Bayer. Welcome back to the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you for returning to the program and obviously talking about all things cities and how we can improve them. But Scott, before we get there, let's go ahead, reintroduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience and specifically what's your approach when we're talking about these big giant areas that we call cities. Yeah, so I'm Scott Beyer. I own the Market Urbanism Reports, and um, I'm a I'm a which is a a media company that's dedicated to free market urban policy reform. I'm also somewhat of a journalist, or you might say, a urban policy analyst who writes for different publications um, in the United States. Uh, to yeah, so to answer your question. Do we need cities? Um, just just to get right into that, um, you know, I'm currently on a cross global trip, uh, which which we can get into later on. But I think that to me the answer is kind of multifaceted, um, depending on whether we're talking about the United States or like say the developing world where mm. I am right now. Um, in the U.S., I think you you might argue that we don't need cities, although I, I personally like them and that's why I write about them. Um, but I'd say with, with the rise of the automobile and remote work and, um, you know, satellite internet and eventually we're supposed to have drone delivery from Amazon and things like that, I would say like the, the world could be, or at least the world in the U.S. in the advanced world where people have more money to live more far further apart. Um, yeah, it, it might be that technology is a racing distance, and we don't need we don't have a need to centralize anymore, or, or at least as much. Um, but then I think the angle when you're talking about the developing world, like what I'm finding having traveled through Latin America and yeah. a lot of Africa now, is that. They don't have because they're not as wealthy of societies. Their rural areas are not very modernized. Like mm. you're often not having running water and and basic sanitation and basic, um, you know, killing off dangerous insects. You you don't have that. So people have to. They actually have for the sake of their livelihoods to move into cities where the jobs and the, and the social services are. 
Um, so you, you're kind of seeing like a reverse migration of what we see it usually see in the U.S., which is that people are moving from rural areas into cities and suburbs to be able to access stuff. Interesting. Yeah, because I, and I guess, yeah, right. It is through the context of us privileged Americans, because, yeah, I mean, do you really need the idea of a big city in order to get the opportunity or the amenities or the basics that we have established as, you know, the basics here in America? And to that point, no. But I guess to the question, then I ask for those other areas, right? You're talking about being in South Africa, for example. Is it possible that the the tools, the resources that we utilize here in America and in more of the developed world, that those tools that allow us to live in more rural environments, that those could then be brought over to those more impoverished areas? Let's look at the areas like we're talking about with like South Africa, for example, and to help folks be able to have clean drinking water or to have more protective uh, shelter when they're living out in the, the elements or in the in insect infested areas. Is that something that we could see as also a, a correlation there? Well, we, we could, and to some degree, it's already happening. I mean, hmm. one thing I'm going to be studying uh, here in Africa as I travel through is the way that first world American farm techniques are being brought to Africa to maximize the use of what is often very fertile land that they just can't maximize because they don't have the technology to do it. And, and so that would be an example of, yeah, you want to talk about rural modernization and making rural living more attractive and sustainable in, in Africa, then you bring in tech first world technology. But I mean, again, it's sort of like we're looking at a gradient here of if the U.S. is an example of one of the most wealthy societies in the world and in world history, there's a gradient where the poorer and poorer the country gets, the more and more cities actually are necessary because um, it's just yeah, I mean, I mean, remote and um, in, in I, I guess you could say decentralized living is kind of a luxury um, hmm. for rich people. You know, like I said, you, you do need an automobile. And so in the U.S., we're rich and we can afford to, to live that lifestyle. So let's talk about the future then of what you're experiencing and trying to uncover as you're going across the south part of the globe, and that's quite literally the southern hemisphere that you're going through. So talk to us about this trip that you're, you're on, what you're looking to accomplish as you're going through there. Yeah, so I'm on a 1.5-year trip of the global south, and that began in July of 2022. <laughs> um, my first five months were Latin America. I, I went to 12 countries in Latin America. And then 2023, um, half of it will be in Africa. So I'm in South Africa now, and I'm going to be moving my way north. And then the final six months of 2023 will be Asia. So starting in Dubai, ending in Tokyo, and then flying back to Virginia and, and starting kind of restarting my life in the U.S. So what inspired that entire trip? Well, I, I'd say it's probably three things. Um, the, the main one is just that I like to travel and this seemed like a good time in my life to, to be able to do it. Um, I'd say secondary would be journalism, um, you know, wanting to expand on the coverage that market urbanism report, which is mostly focused on U.S. cities and its young history, maybe expanding to some global issues, more urban issues. Um, and then I think thirdly would just be from an investing standpoint, 
you know, you can you could probably see the writing on the wall the same as I, where certain economic fundal, fundamentals of the U.S. are not so great um, in, in respect to debt and inflation. And, and so I, I think it's good to have um, a diversified portfolio that includes potentially emerging markets. And so this this little tour through the global south is like looking for specific let's say genres and companies that might be worth me investing in uh, to diversify my, my portfolio. Yeah, good buddy of the show here, Mikel Thorup. He is the uh, the host of the Expat Money Show. And uh, he he's all about how do you get out of the United States, become an expatriate, how do you focus on to invest in the alternatives that are out there versus what we've grown up to think is the only solution that is here in America. So with that being said, I mean, obviously this is, Definitely, I think, where a lot of folks' heads are at. Also, we're seeing inside the United States the conversation of a national divorce, and I hear other folks talking about the idea of a civil war. I don't want that. Nobody wants that. But let's talk about maybe the idea, though, of a national divorce, because I think we're hearing actually folks on both sides of the political aisle talking about this. Do you see the idea of a national divorce impacting market urbanism as things move forward? Well, that kind of overlaps with where my head is going on some of the urban stuff. Mm. Um, I, I've increasingly come to believe that the rise of city states, like, you know, when you think of Dubai and Singapore, those have been very successful examples. And it, it shows that bigger isn't necessarily better when it comes to government. I mean, a lot of the most effective um, jurisdictions in the world are these little like 50 square mile city states where they just have huge amounts of economic freedom, basically, and they have a, they, they have autonomy just to run the way they want to. Um, and I'd really like to see that experiment in the U.S. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily opposed to the U.S. being broken up in, in some respects. And like, let's have some experimentation about what about what kind of political systems we can pursue in the U.S., um, so that seems like a like a more practical way to to have more experimentation as opposed to like a scorched earth. Texas succeeds completely and, and everybody hates each other and, and, and that kind of thing. It seems like it would lead to less bloodshed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's what we're looking to accomplish. Right. Is is as yeah. much peace as is as as a possible outcome. I think that's across the board. But. Let's go towards this idea of market urbanism. I think it's important for some of the folks who maybe are returning to the show, for, or rather they're joining us for the first time as you return to the show. They're not familiar with this idea of market urbanism. They've heard us talk about it a few times and they're like, what is this term? So in layman's terms, do us a favor, Scott. Explain what is market urbanism and how does it impact the way that cities function? And now, a word from our sponsors. In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. So bumper sticker version, the mix between free market policy and urban issues, Um, a more elaborated version would be it's the use of classical liberal ideas, the economics applied specifically to city issues. So how did the teachings of Adam Smith, Frederick Hayek and some other thinkers 
apply to things like housing, transportation, um, city administration. Uh, there's two specific versions of market urbanism that, that I focus on in, in market urbanism report. And the, and the first one is kind of like, how can this theory be, how can this, this policy be used in a pragmatic way in existing cities like New York and Philadelphia? Like what's a moderate version of this, of, of like say libertarian ideas mm-hmm. that can pass politically in places that are otherwise like democratic voting and, 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 and leftists. Um, but I think the other version of market urbanism that's more of the theory is just asking like at a philosophical level, so how would cities work if they were completely private? And rather than having like raw democracy and, and some of the things we, we lionize about politics in this country, what if, what if a board of investors, say, ran a city? Um, and what if they operated like startups? So that's more of a theoretical interpretation of market urbanism because it's not used very often around the world. But I am actually studying some of these some of these examples as I travel. Do you have some examples off the top of your head of market urbanism in practice that we could think of as some modern day examples? Well, yeah, I mean, so the, the types of places like I'm a lot of this tour is designed to, to see quote unquote startup cities around the world. Mm. Um, and so what that is, is basically private developers will assemble greenfield land. It is happening a lot more in the developing world than in, say, the U.S. and Europe. But they assemble greenfield lands. They write a contract with the surrounding jurisdiction basically saying, we want autonomy to, to, to build the city the way we want. And it is, in fact, built on private sector principles, like it's for-profit it's, it's run by a CEO rather than an elected mayor and manager. And so it, it is very much of a private sector outcome. Um, I think like if you want, if you want an example of one type of city that I've gone to see, it's, um, there's, there's one called Pros- Prospera in Honduras. And, um, I think your followers would be really interested in that because it's, it's been branded to some degree or another as kind of like a libertarian experiment taking place in the third world country. And it's going to have like English common law and, and, and all of these, all of these policy, I don't know if you want to say innovations, but policy best practices being used um, in, a, in a very small, like one square mile context. Well, Scott, I'm glad you brought that up because you may have read my mind because believe it or not, we actually did an entire episode on Prospera with Joel Baumgar uh, on the show. This is episode 428 back in January of last year. So yes, prime example. I'm actually going to include this in the show notes and I'll include this episode as well um, for you YouTube watcher as well. When you just watch the end of the episode, the video will pop up. Make sure you check this episode out because it is awesome. So yeah, no, 100% this is a great example. And I was wondering if you're going to bring this up as an example because <laughs> Joel did an amazing job explaining how Basically, this thought experiment that we have talked about in our little group chats and stuff, right, is becoming reality. And it's showing not just how it can work, but now it's becoming a case study that we can we can start to look to as an example when we're trying to start this stuff in other places. And also to the, the part that I think it it goes beyond what we're talking about when we're talking about the political and the, the principles and, and the, philosoph- uh, the philosophical stuff. But what's the actual impact that, that, you know, for example, Prospera brought to the people of Prospera? And that is it brought opportunity. It brought 
a different way of doing things for the people living there. So it actually helped improve opportunities for folks where now all of a sudden they had jobs that weren't available before. So yes, you, you are seeing that it does impact folks across the board. So I'm glad you brought that up, Joel or Scott. Thank you. Yeah. And I visited Prospera um, last summer during my Honduras stop. And uh, yeah, it, 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 I saw a lot of promise in it. I mean, it's, it's very early on, but I think it, in some cases it's further along than what people might expect. I mean, it's actually developing residents in the community now. And it's on some beautiful like island property that looks out over the ocean. And I found that, uh, yeah, they, they were employing a lot of locals. So that's one of the promises that of, of I think, Prospera. It's not just going to be like this this city that's necessarily attracting, um, say, the global entrepreneurial elites, although it, it will be doing some of that. But I think a lot of the promise of these of these private cities is that they're going to have spillover effects on the local population of more jobs, more prosperity, higher property values, things like that. Yep. And I'm sorry, YouTube uh, viewer, I just realized this actually, this video was recorded right when I was moving from Philadelphia to Indiana. So there actually was no YouTube episode. So this is going to be an audio only exclusive for folks who want to check that out. But don't worry, it's going to be in the show notes. Uh, so folks can go ahead and check out that episode with Joel. But uh, otherwise, with that being said, Scott, we are getting towards the tail end of the episode. So when we're talking about market urbanism, right, and I think it is a topic that a lot of folks they're they're trying to to pick up right they're trying to maybe they don't know the term itself but they understand what you're looking to accomplish and they're trying to implement some of this this market urbanism into their communities what would be the best way you would recommend for someone to be able to start making a change in their immediate circles to make things in a more pro market urbanist approach yeah and that and that gets back to the first definition of market urbanism because not everyone can build their own city, their own libertarian experiment. It's a little so tough, you, yeah. If if you're the average Joe and you're just living in a in a existing city, um, I don't. Well, the, you know, you can go to what is market urbanism. Um, we have a page on my site that just goes over the different issues. But I mean, I think if if you're if you're dealing, say, with high home costs in your city. You can look at the market urbanist literature um, on why that is. It's it usually has to do with government regulations and sort of like this entrenched um, regulatory paradigm, particularly around zoning, but other things as well. And you can you can go to your meetings and bring public meetings and bring that up because a lot of times like people are people are defending these regulations, but there's not many people at these public meetings that are saying, no, these are actually the reason we have a housing shortage. This is the reason that that you know housing in the city is thirty percent above the national median, so on and so forth. It's amazing. Just get involved, people. How about that? And by the way, that speaks to uh by my sponsor, which is me. Ha! How about that, folks? We have a brand new free ebook, and that is how to win your local election. Speaks to the importance of also getting involved locally, right, Scott? So go ahead, grab your free ebook. We're gonna show you everything you need to know from. Uh, number one, launching a campaign. What does that entail? Fundraising, voter outreach, messaging, all that in between. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash win local. Get your free copy today. And with that, Scott, we are unfortunately at the point of the episode where we are getting ready for our final thoughts. And I will kick things off. How about that? Um, I think it's important for folks to get involved, not just in their communities, but also 
for us to start changing the conversation, how do we do that? And I, I think this is where I've tried to make a difference here in the greater liberty movement is teaching folks how to enter into these conversations that traditionally are a little uncomfortable, right? Or they would traditionally put up defenses. People, when they hear politics start as the conversation point, they instantly know what their opinion is and they're they're putting the barriers up. They're putting the defenses up. So we want to be able to break down those defenses. And I think if you live in a big city and you see the problems, right? I lived in Philadelphia. I saw the issues when COVID hit and the garbage didn't show up for literally four weeks. It was gross. I mean, rats running on the garbage. Talk about a health hazard. It was more of a health hazard than COVID was for sure. And yet that happened, right? That happened in my backyard. So being able to get involved, talk to those community leaders, make change and show up, get, get to, to in actually standing in the events where the, the rooms where it's happening, where folks are standing there and having these conversations that are impacting the way you live your life. So that's my final thoughts. Scott, what do you have for us all the way down in South Africa today? Well, they don't call it Philadelphia for no reason. Oh, I ain't um, that the truth, man. That's, that, those are my final thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, my, my final thoughts are, um, I'd say follow my journey um, and, and, and look it up in the show notes because it, it is going to be an interesting thing. Um, the cities of the developing world are very, very different than the U.S. The, the challenges, which we kind of already went over, um, are very, it, it's, it's like another world. Um, and it does make you very appreciative for the United States and the type of standard of living that we get to enjoy um, in my mind, largely because we did follow a capitalistic system, and I I hope that we continue to, so that people aren't having to, di- to di- diversify their portfolios away from the U.S. Um, and I hope we kind of we remember what political principles got us to where we are today. Amen. Well, Scott. With that being said, it's on to the the audience now to to actually take initiative to move things forward. So. Folks, if you are willing to take the challenge, should you choose to, that is, well, please do me a favor, start things off by sharing today's episode. And when you do, please tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. Scott, where can folks go ahead and find you? They want to continue the conversation. Marketurbanismreport.com. And um, if you want a day-to-day look at my photo essays from, from uh, Stop to Stop, the Market Urbanism Report Facebook group. A plus, I'm a member and I enjoy it thoroughly. So folks, if you again got some value, please go ahead and share today's episode. Also go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review if uh, you would be so kind. And oh, by the way, we have an amazing shop of all types of goodies you can get to be, yes, the most amazing Liberty lover out there. You can rock your Brian Nichols show swag, but also change some hearts and minds and get some laughs Along the way, we have our, now that's what I call tyranny, Klaus Schwab shirt, magic money tree shirt. Yeah, we have that as well. Plus, what happened in 1971? We're asking good questions. And speaking of asking good questions, have you gotten our question everything? Or yeah, our uh, don't our good ideas don't require force bumper stickers that are over at the shop. Well, either way, do me a favor. Use code TBNS at checkout. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, save 10% off your order. And uh, by the way, uh, it's a libertarian organization too that you're supporting. So uh, it's a win-win. You get some awesome stuff and you're supporting uh, fellow libertarians along the way. So with that being said, folks, that's all we have for you today. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, with that, be- looking at where we are, you know, Scott, I- I'm excited to see the future of market urbanism. So thank you for all you're doing. And folks, if you got some value from what Scott's doing, go ahead, reach out, tell him you heard him on the Brian Nichols show and you appreciate all he's doing. 
But with that being said, thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. With that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Scott Bayer. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support.